This is Asha Voices. I'm J.D. Gray. Today on the podcast, we're joined by a consultant from Audiology Practice Builders who shares three ways he's found COVID is changing the way clinicians attract patients. From patient recall to digital advertising, Mike Doherty shares what's working and why, and why your vaccine status might be an important marketing tool. It is one of the first things that people are looking at when they're looking at a practice online. I'm J.D. Gray. This is ASHA Voices. So Fresh of Voices is provided by CapTel from T-Mobile, saluting professionals like you who are committed to providing inclusive communication for everyone, regardless of their income, technology access, or needs. And they put your patients first with exceptional care 24-7. Learn more at t-mobile.com slash CapTel. Mike Doherty is an audiologist and a business consultant with Audiology Practice Builders. Mike spent time in multiple practice settings, and with more than 20 years of experience in the profession, he's well-equipped to help audiologists with many of their business challenges. He joins us to share three ways COVID is changing the way audiologists attract patients, also referred to as clients in this episode. Not all three of these methods are going to work for every type of practice, or at least not in the same way, but Mike says these techniques can reach a wide swath of practices. And I began our conversation by asking Mike how he created the list. So the list that we have today comes from working with practices that I've worked with uh, for a long time but helping them through the pandemic. So the areas of client recall, helping them identify patients with new communication challenges as a result of the pandemic, and also making adjustments to digital advertising planning is something that we saw that was helpful in many of the practices that we work with. But as you mentioned, it's not necessarily right for every practice. Before discussing Mike's list, I asked him for some context. Thinking of slowed down referrals and the lack of walk-in customers, I asked Mike about the challenges facing audiology practices during the pandemic and what practices we're seeing with regards to the former ways they would attract clients. In general, when we work with a practice, these are areas that we want to monitor. We want to look at the source of patients for an individual clinic. So we want to consider patients that are being referred by other professionals, being referred by other patients, as well as any advertising, whether that's direct mail or digital advertising that is bringing in new patients. We also want to carefully monitor existing patients and their frequency of visiting the practice. When the pandemic first took hold, was the change in where clients were coming from, was this something that was immediate or did we start to see kind of a gradual change? Put this in the the seat of someone running a practice. I think the initial time around the shutdown, many practice owners and managers really, you know, looked to the CDC and, and other government agencies to figure out how to open safely and also if they were allowed to open. Early on, there was quite a bit of confusion. Uh, as to whether audiology practices were even allowed to be open uh, following the initial shutdown that was several weeks. This was around the time when there were a lot of conversations in the media about what type of positions and what types of professions were essential. That's correct. And there was kind of a national message and information, but there was also local and state guidance that 
needed to be considered that wasn't clear for a lot of practices. But in that time, they took advantage of learning protocols of how they could open safely, making changes to their waiting room and cleaning protocols in between patients. Okay, so let's dive in. Uh, We're going to go through a list of three, and let's start with number one. What's at the top of your list for ways COVID is changing the way audiologists find clients? Well, I think initially practices, once they opened, there was a backlog of patients that needed to be seen. Some of them were new patients. Some were existing patients that just needed to be seen. So I think working through that initial backlog kept many practices busy considering the spacing in between patients and and time to clean. But once that passed, uh, it really was a question of how to get back on track. Spring and early summer are often a very popular time for advertising and having patient events. And I think a lot of practices were uncomfortable spending significant advertising budgets when we didn't know at the time if there could be another shutdown. And it seemed quite possible that there could be another shutdown in the future. The first one, patient recall, really looked at identifying patients that receive care from the practice and really looking to find patients that have not been in in over a year, which is something that we usually recommend practices do. The extended time related to the pandemic really didn't allow patients uh, the opportunity to come into the office. So we found that if patients are actively being cared for by a practice and they have not been in in over a calendar year, Uh, They probably could be hearing better with a clean-in check or just checking to make sure that their devices are still appropriate. So that was really a way for practices to reconnect either by sending letters or making phone calls to the patients in that category. Did you find that to be very effective? I can also imagine, I can imagine there might be some hesitancy to go in public, especially early in the pandemic. Yes, and we informed, you know, or had practices inform patients of the safety protocols that were taken and for a patient to make a decision that was safe for them uh, so that we had options for patients to drop their hearing aids off or to just have an appointment or a consult by phone so that patients could make decisions that really were safe considering their personal situation. Yeah. So number one, patient recall. Let's go ahead to the second item on the list. COVID and the pandemic, they've created a lot of disruption in our lifestyles. For many of us, this means more time at home. What does that mean for practices? Well, I think for a lot of patients, they were, I think that hearing and hearing loss uh, became a higher level of awareness uh, for uh, potential patients. Uh, This is something that we saw patients calling saying, you know, I know you're not open, but as soon as you're open, let me know. I need to come in for a hearing test. And I think there are a couple things that led to that. One was the use of masks if people were going uh, out in public. You know, wearing of masks changes acoustic cues and information, making it more difficult to decode speech. And also taking away visual cues that people use to lip read and also to read facial expressions. 
And this is something that that everyone does, but it, it really has a greater impact on individuals with hearing loss. So I think the combination of going out in public, trying to communicate when everyone is wearing masks really created a challenge for people that might have been getting by with hearing loss. And then the second part is not being able to see their families and being isolated at home. Many people were trying to communicate either by telephone or by video type conferencing, which also is much more difficult to understand than if you were face to face with someone. So you're saying time spent either in public with face coverings or time at home led to uncovering some areas of hearing loss or difficulty communicating? Yes, I think we've all, even with normal hearing, if you've been in stores where it's noisy and people are wearing masks and you're really dependent upon being able to hear and understand someone, I think it's been a frustration for everyone. And I think there are people that might have had a hearing loss that they thought they were getting by without any type of intervention and realize with the mask, it just made it too difficult to be able to understand and communicate. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned another element of this, which is, you know, people who maybe family members who receive phone calls and uh, have trouble hearing on the phone, this can lead to isolation. Yes, if someone's not able to physically visit with their family and also doesn't do well communicating on the telephone, then it really does isolate people from their family. And we've seen that impact covered in the news. And I think a lot of us know people who haven't been able to see family members for almost you know close to a year. So that that isolation, again, has been problematic for people in that group. I wanted to know more. So I asked Mike how audiology practices can reach these potential patients. I think that's one of the things that we've seen change is that with this kind of forced isolation throughout this period with the pandemic, many people in all age groups have become much more comfortable with digital devices, connecting, talking with their families through FaceTime and and similar apps. And we also believe that that's led to them being much more comfortable uh, considering digital advertising and responding to to digital advertising. Shifting of marketing efforts and budget towards digital advertising has paid off for many of the practices uh, that we work with, having digital ad campaigns, and branding campaigns, not to just make sure that people can find you if they have concerns, but also having a digital advertising program that is introducing your practice to individuals that are in your area that might be experiencing difficulty. To learn more about how practices might be able to engage with these potential future patients, I asked Mike how practices might be able to focus digital advertising efforts on the people in their area who might want to use a practice's services. Yeah, that's a a good question, and it does really vary. In an urban area, we have a geography that really is based on people being able to walk to the office for the most part. So the digital advertising campaign is highly focused in just a handful of zip codes. And that works very well in an urban setting like downtown New York or DC or Philadelphia. 
in other areas, we would look at the usual drive time of where someone would drive and how far they would drive to get medical services and, and other services. And then we would want to make sure that that digital campaign is reaching individuals within that geography. And we don't want to reach too far beyond that geography. We don't want to find patients that would be you know, two hours away that wouldn't consider coming to a specific office for treatment. Do you have a, maybe a specific example of a client that you've worked with in the past to use digital advertising? Yeah. So uh, a practice that I work closely with, we had started a digital campaign towards the middle of 2020 and shifted a lot of our advertising budget into digital and have been able to attract anywhere from five to 10 new patients per month. And that's using you know Google paid ads, as well as some promotion on Facebook. Do you feel like these patients that were reached otherwise might have not been reached? Absolutely, JD. Uh, these are patients that we were able to engage online, bring them to the website, and then have that be kind of a, a stepping stone to having them make an appointment in the office to be seen. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll discuss how to incorporate these techniques into your practice as states and businesses continue to reopen. Support for Asha Voices is provided by CapTel from T-Mobile. CapTel from T-Mobile shares your values and commitment to patients, providing inclusive communication for everyone, regardless of their income, technology access, or needs. They offer captioned telephones with exceptional 24-7 care, simple one-button access to U.S.-based customer service reps, and phones that fit all your patients' needs. CapTel from T-Mobile puts your patients first. Check them out at t-mobile.com slash captel. Only for people with hearing loss, federally funded, requires certification and registration. Restrictions apply. Mike outlined three different ways COVID is changing the way audiologists attract patients. The techniques include patient recall, sometimes referred to as client recall, self-referral following a discovery of hearing loss, either through isolation at home or due to face coverings in public. And the third thing he mentioned is success with increased online advertising. Since we're beginning to see states reopen and large amounts of the vaccine be distributed, I asked Mike if he thinks these changes in the way that audiologists are finding patients are going to stick around, or if things will, in some ways, transfer back to the way they were before the pandemic. Yeah, that's a great question. I think particularly the client recall is a program that we've advocated for pre-COVID. I just think it became a great resource for practices early in the pandemic. And I think practices that were previously busy and just kind of stayed on track really need to take a look at how they're attracting patients. So patient recall is something that we always advocated for. And I do think that the awareness of hearing and hearing loss and hearing healthcare in in the public is definitely higher than it's been in the past. And I believe that will remain. And I think the digital advertising now that people have spent a year using digital devices much more, that that will also remain. Finally, I want to ask kind of more broadly, we've talked about how 
there's variables from practice to practice and what might be right for one practice, especially as it comes to bringing in new clients, that might not be right for another practice. How can a practice or an audiologist assess if a new idea might be right for their practice? I mean, that's a great question, JD. When we work with a practice, one of the things that we usually do is go through an audit where we look at their current status in 14 different areas. And then we also look at their goals. And we want to make sure as we're making changes to a practice, any changes that we're making are either relevant to a goal that they have, or if it's a a matter of monitoring something, if they have a particular area of concern, we want to make sure that they're able to have access to data to monitor anything that concerns them or anything that is related to one of their goals. Can you uh, give me maybe like some specific examples of a few of the things that might be among the 14 categories and and what maybe like a, a goal would be for one of these, for one of your clients? So in the 14 areas, we look at patient recall, advertising, marketing development or a marketing plan, physician referrals, information management, P&L, financial budgeting and review. So we really do an in-depth practice audit and we look at their current status in each of one of those. So tying back to the first thing we talked about, patient recall, if we look at someone that has been practicing, it's an established practice, then we would look at how many inactive patients they have. We would identify an inactive patient is any patient who is under the practice's care with amplification that has not been seen in a calendar year. And then we can look at the opportunity related to recalling and bringing in those patients. Okay, wonderful. And so then you assess goals based off of those? Yes. And another example would be uh, professional referrals from outside of the practice. We would want to look at how many referral sources a practice has, and in general, how many referrals they get monthly. And then we can go beyond that and look at the individual referring practices. Are there multiple providers? If it's a medical practice, how many physicians are in the group, nurse practitioners? And within that, how many of those individuals are actually referring? Oftentimes, we might have one provider referring pretty regularly, and there might be three or four providers in a practice. So there's an easy opportunity to increase referrals from the practice with some engagement. Mm -hmm. What I'm hearing you say is, if you're listening to this and you have a practice, when you hear a new idea, a way to understand if it's right for your practice is to say, what's the data that I'm tracking and how would this new technique or new idea support the goals that I've established for my practice? Absolutely. The most powerful tool in a practice is the office management system, which we often find is underutilized. So having access to real-time data to make decisions that are right for your practice is very helpful and we would say a critical first step in making changes to your practice. That seems like it must be true in a pandemic or not in a pandemic. Absolutely. Same for practices that did a good job with their office management system. We were able to kind of look at the data and make some decisions much more quickly than if we had to manually compile data and pull reports together manually. When the pandemic began, there were a lot of unknowns, and you alluded to that. 
we're also now in a period where things are reopening and there's also quite a few unknowns. It seems like for many people, this is a time of excitement, but there's also questions about what it's going to look like as people start to readjust to reopening. Any advice you might have for practices as they look at maybe the next six months or year as things begin to reopen? I think one thing that we've seen from patients is their comfort level in coming in. And it's important to make sure that your policies, safety protocols are clearly stated on your website, shared with referral sources. As we move forward, some people are vaccinated, but many people are in different risk categories, and we want them to be able to assess the way that they want to interact with your practice, whether that's coming in for direct service, maybe having a consult by video conference. Some practices are still offering service where the patient stays in their car, and that might be a right choice for an individual patient as we move through the remainder of this year. So maybe don't throw out all the adjustments that you've made throughout the past year. These may still be important, even if things begin to return in many ways to a pre-COVID condition. Yes, I think many things will return. But again, patient comfort seems to vary. An example, the practice I work with had someone send an email in through the info at for the practice, introducing herself letting the practice know that she had her first vaccine on this date, the second vaccine on this date, and she would like to meet with an audiologist two weeks following her second vaccination, but would like to know the vaccination history of the audiologist before making the appointment. So this is obviously a patient that was is very concerned about any risk. We've had other patients that have been happy to come in throughout the pandemic. So as that ranges not knowing an individual situation, I do think it's very sensitive to be able to respect their risk assessment for their own style of interfacing with the practice. If an audiologist were comfortable disclosing their vaccination history, do you find that's a good thing from a marketing standpoint? I think it, yeah, I think it should be disclosed. I think on, you know, in the media, the first group that has had access to the vaccine has been medical providers and audiologists have been in that group. I think it would be unusual if a practice, any medical practice, had a significant amount of staff that was not vaccinated at this point. But it does seem from our web designer that information, when they look at how people are using the website and where they're going on the website, it is one of the first things that people are looking at when they're looking at a practice online. Mike Doherty, thank you so much for the conversation. Thank you for having me, JD. Want to hear more from Mike Doherty? Check out the May issue of the ASHA Leader Magazine. Mike shares information and resources to help your practice, including how to develop client referrals from other healthcare practices. You can also find that article online at leader.pubs.asha.org. ASHA Voices is produced by the American Speech-Language Hearing Association and comes from the team behind the ASHA Leader magazine. Support for ASHA Voices provided by CapTel from T-Mobile with captioned phones that fit every patient regardless of their income, technology access, or needs. CapTel from T-Mobile serves the unique hearing needs of every patient. Learn more at t-mobile.com slash CapTel. Production assistance for ASHA Voices comes from Pamela Lawrence, I'm J.D. Gray, and this is ASHA Voices.